A quick hello and we get to go. Welcome to the show, Irinapodunaya. Yeah, that sounds great. Like, right, I, so I could definitely make a ringtone of that. <laughs> Brilliant, wonderful. Welcome. Today we're going to be talking to how to make 5 to 10% extra sales on autopilot. I really like this idea because I think a lot of people are trying to fill the top of the funnel trying to tighten up the bottom of the funnel, how many people think about the post funnel, and that's what we'll be talking about today. Is that about right? Yeah, uh, I would even argue that it's no longer a funnel. It's just this continuous process of uh, a cycle. It's a, it's called a flywheel. That uh, If you just reform uh, your mindset about this, that your customers, once they buy from you once, it's not over. Uh, they can buy from you again. You get mm. uh, a well of new customers basically inside of your uh, current list. That's it. Right. Brilliant. And we forget about it. I mean, when I talk to people talking about SEO, talking about getting on Google, it's all about getting the new clients in, the new people, uh, pulling them down the funnel to convert. And I'm not actually sure why when, as you say, increasing five to 10% of your sales simply by talking to the clients that you already have. Before we get into that, quickly, the brand SERP, I looked up your name on Google, which is what I do for every guest, and that looks pretty good. I would imagine, or I might be completely wrong, is your name fairly unique? Well, I don't think it is unique, but uh, due to, I guess, uh, the passports, uh, like this, this spelling uh, is not very common. Uh, so right. yes, uh, my, name is, uh, my name is unique. That's why I'm Googleable. You're Googleable. That's a new, yes. a new adjective that we didn't have before. And uh, next up is just something that we found this week. Elisa pointed this out to me. Uh, you can see here, um, this isn't your specialist subject, but we used to have those filter pills, or we have those filter pills that have now moved into the Google filters uh, alongside news images, videos, shopping, and so on and so forth. And that's really, really interesting. This is part of the knowledge panel when it's the filter pills that I've crossed out there. And at the top, it's becoming filters of search. When you click on those, if you look at the next one, I clicked on Twitter to have a look what it said. Uh, and as you can see, it's all the Jason Barnards on Twitter. And then um, towards the bottom there, the whole show, I disappear. So it's showing more Jason Barnards. So my uh, ability to dominate my own brand surf is going to be reduced if Google keep up with this. And the next one is a footballer. If you click on the football tab, you can see there there's a famous footballer in South Africa, and I barely get a look in as soon as you add that uh, word football. So that is where potentially knowledge panels are going to. Uh, this is more of a, a Google vertical brand search filter, and this is going to be super exciting for us in the future. And if you want to join us on the Facebook support group, if that kind of thing interests you, which it might, Irina, then join us on the Facebook support group, the uh, search for CaliCube support group, and join us to learn all about knowledge panels. And right, yeah, and we, sorry, we, we want people to ask questions if you're uh, listening in and you've got anything you want to ask Irina, now is the time. And before we get going again, one more thing is the sponsors. If we could have that video up, Wordlift, as always, sponsoring us, uh, partnering with us rather, in the CaliCube Tuesday series. 
every single episode has been produced in partnership with Wordlift. Coming to the end of the third series, Wordlift offer the artificial intelligence you need to grow your traffic. And today I've got super news is the CaddyCube Knowledge Panel course has been released. It was available since yesterday, December 12th, 2022. Visit caddycube.com to find out more about that. If you're really geeky about knowledge panels, which I definitely am. Right, Irina, let's get on to the topic. All right. You're yeah. saying it's not post-funnel. I've always used the term post-funnel. What term can I use usefully to describe that post-funnel set of people who are clients, other than clients, obviously? It is correct. The, the term itself is correct. Uh, what I'm saying is that uh, it's just uh, thinking in funnels. Uh, we're thinking in uh, this finite state where the customers, mm. they can actually reach a finite state in their customer journey. But in truth, uh, if you have the customer contacts, uh, you can still reactivate them and they can buy again. And then they are going to become your new customer, basically, from the same list. So the idea is that it's just like the cycle versus a funnel. That's what I was trying to communicate. But it's, it's absolutely fine to call it a post-funnel or shadow funnel. Even. Right. No, no, no. I, I really like that because simply saying the word funnel gives it that finite idea that you say. And in fact, we need to find a new term because it's at the end of the funnel, they drop in, they become a client, and then they cycle mm. round. Now, what's I the think, process? Sorry, yeah, go ahead. I think uh, the HubSpot, uh, they actually uh, nailed the term. Uh, they uh, created the term flywheel. Uh, this is mm. a continuous, uh, like the spinning, uh, spinning thing because like I, I cannot describe a flywheel using the word flywheel right so <laughs> that's why mm. I'm just saying like the disc uh, maybe that is continuously spinning and your customers they just uh, continuously go through uh, like the top of a funnel new offer then they go to the customer support and they buy again and then they re leave a review and like it just keeps spinning uh, because the more customers engage with your brand and the more word uh, like the more they spread mm. the word about your brand the bigger this thing gets Right. And we've got two questions there, one of which is the flywheel where people are going round and round in this kind of rewash cycle. I think Amazon do that very well. And the other is the idea of becoming somebody who uh, talks to their friends about your brand, who becomes a, what would you call it? A, an um, ambassador, I guess. An ambassador. Thank you very much. I always forget that word. So let's talk about the two, one after the other. First of all, is you've got somebody who's a client. And I, I seem to remember you were saying that you need to start reactivating them before they've even received their order. Right. So uh, when it comes to e-commerce uh, process, uh, sometimes there is a communication gap uh, between mm. uh, when the customer actually clicks the buy button and when they receive a product. And this is an, uh, a lost opportunity. Even when the brands are communicating, they sometimes just redirect their customers to UPS, FedEx, DHL, or other pages that have no mention which uh, store is it coming from or which brand is it coming from? Uh, this is an opportunity uh, that we discovered as uh, part of uh, what TrackMage was. Uh, like this is this hidden uh, source of traffic where people, when they visit the uh, pages to actually find out about, find out the information about their order, uh, they have the ability to see the brand uh see the social media accounts, uh, see additional products that the brand is selling, and they convert again. That's how you can get, uh, just by introducing this simple page, that's how you can get those like 5 to 10% extra sales. Right. Okay, so the idea is to say, well, I've got the UPS uh, API, and I can actually integrate that into my site. 
and give get my client back into my site, back thinking about me and my products? Uh, if you want to do it your, yourself, yes, uh, that would be the idea. But if you use more than one carrier, uh, and uh, if uh, there, are, there are multiple carriers that you're using for different destinations and you want to also localize those pages into uh, the customer's language, or if you want to show them additional products, you will have to implement a lot of stuff. Or yeah. you could use TrackMage. <laughs> <laughs> a brilliant upsell. That was delightful. So the, the idea is to say, I have a client who's waiting for their order. They're checking on the delivery status. They come back in and I can re-show them my brand. And that reminds me of the idea of brand search where people think, well, once they're a client, it doesn't matter what they see when they search my name because they search my name to navigate to the website. They come straight to the website. And in fact, I'm arguing everything on that SERP the search engine results page for your brand name, even for customers, is super important. You need to keep them on board. Yeah, uh, it's very important for the customer to not forget your name uh, because uh, from my personal experience, when I'm shopping uh, with certain funnels uh, that were just set up like as a one-time uh, one opportunity to sell something, uh, like I'm waiting for the package and I know the number of the package, but I don't know which store is it coming from, what's in that package. And uh, it's always a guessing game. And I don't know, uh, like, and even if I have a problem with a package, I don't know uh, which store to reach out to because it's always like, okay, I'm receiving a package, but what is in it? <laughs> right, okay. And and the, the emails that UPS or DHL or one of these other carriers is sending, uh, do you intercept those or do you replace those or do they still get the mm. emails from the carrier? Well, actually, uh, there are no standard emails from the carriers. Uh, the, the customer can go to the carrier website and they can request updates. Uh, that's just like a simple subscribe. Uh, but those updates, they are not informative. Uh, and they just literally inform the customer if there is a change in status. Uh, so hmm. what we've seen, uh, for example, with UPS, uh, they use uh, two tracking numbers at the same time. One is uh, just this like uh, umbrella uh, phone, uh, sorry, uh, umbrella tracking number. And uh, yeah. in, in that umbrella tracking number, there is a local tracking number. And we don't show you updates for the local tracking number. We just say, like, okay, the umbrella tracking number is in transit. But when it gets stuck in customs or if there is uh, some kind of communication uh, that you need to provide them with, like maybe your phone number was not specified uh, to the UPS, mm -hmm. you have to reach out to them. And you don't know even if you need to reach out to them because they don't show this information on their website. I'm not trying to critique uh, UPS, but I'm just trying to uh, showcase that there is a problem with how the carriers, they are treating the customers. And another problem that when the customer is looking at the carrier website, they don't even remember that they bought it from you. <laughs> and they don't remember that they need to buy something else from you as well. Which, if, if there's a problem with the carrier, then it's a good thing they don't remember they bought it from you. But mm, yeah, I, I would imagine that, that what, one of the things is, is that is that people associate the carrier with the service. So then you end up getting a bad review uh, if you don't hold their hand during that whole process. Is that something you've seen? Uh, that's exactly uh, where I wouldn't like 100% agree with your previous statement that uh, it's good uh, if I have a problem and they only have a carrier to contact. Maybe it's better if you were aware and you could just point them in the right direction. Because uh, for customs purposes, for example, uh, if a customer is asking to provide an invoice, you already have that information. Send them the invoice. We are going to help them and they are going to mm -hmm. remember that. And that's going to also influence the kind of review they are going to leave. So the more hand-holding you introduce in the process and like the closer you get uh, to the customer, the better. 
Right. And Anton's just shown us the UPS tracking number form, which I've seen more times than I care to remember and got confused with more times than I care to remember. Um, and, and from that perspective, getting the flywheel going, that first order, you hold somebody's hand incredibly tightly and help them through this whole thing. You get that delightful flywheel going. How long does it take? And um, generally speaking, once you've got somebody on board to get that repeat order going, I, I'm going to share some incredible statistic. Is that oh, jolly uh, good! I like numbers. Yeah, uh, the customers. Uh, so, from what we've seen, uh, so first of all, uh, those emails that are related to the shipping status, they get opened in sixty percent of cases. Like, like that's right. the unheard of uh, open rates uh, for marketing emails because they are they are not perceived as marketing. It's just an yeah. essential information for the customer. So what, we, uh, what we've also seen is that uh, customers, when they are actively waiting for the order, and this is something that they are passionate about or they literally are curious, they check the tracking page uh, one or two times per day. Imagine getting, yeah, imagine getting every time like the question like, is it there yet? Is it there yet? <laughs> Where is my mm -hmm. order? <laughs> like the customer support questions like that's a lot. When uh, the customers visit those pages, like we literally look at them like one or two times per day, uh, they place additional orders without even receiving the, the, the first package. They place uh, those orders for like in 10% of cases. That's, why, that's what we could uh, track uh, directly. Right now, we are uh, trying to improve our uh, tracking. Uh, I mean, the tracking of our performance, the track mage performance. Uh, to show uh, the indirect conversions, because sometimes customers, they don't go straight to the product page and buy the product, but they go to the uh, store logo uh, and they go to the store itself. And mm. that's where we lose track. So potentially it's not even five or 10, it might be up to 20, something mm. like that. Right. Okay. And from moving on from that point where we've got the, the the client going around in circles keeping keeping buying each time they come back you do that same process they become uh, uh an incredibly what's the word um i'm thinking in french now Fidel. indoctrinated me <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, it incredibly uh, consistent client for you uh, and they, the they client for life, this, I would say, yeah. A client for life, okay. And then you keep holding their hand, but I would imagine over time you need to hold their hand less. Yes, because we already understand what uh, they should expect uh, and they already mm. know how the system works. It's almost like with uh, like in B2B uh, space uh, where you first you explain to your uh, potential uh, like uh, wholesale or customer or somebody who is going to buy from you in bulk. First, you explain how to order from you and once they know, once they know how to order from you, they do. They just they just continuously place those orders because it's already automated even on their side, and they get their people trained in it. But with uh, like retail clients, uh, it's also the same. Once I have uh, the habit of ordering on Amazon, I know how to press the buttons on Amazon, right? So that's yeah. why uh, consistency matters. If you train your customers to shop at your store, uh, it's always going to be a positive experience for them. Right. Okay. And uh, Anton's just put up the number 28% of client retention. Is that a number you've seen in, in the past? Uh, well, the 28%, uh, that just depends on how many uh, interesting orders you... Uh, yes. The average customer ret retention rate is like 28. Uh, I think it's it increases. It just depends. Because uh, I don't know uh, which uh, research was, that was that figure was taken from. And I always take uh, figures that don't have any... Uh, 
I don't know, like, we, we don't have any specifics behind them with a grain of salt. Because I don't know, like, is it an industry average? Is it from Malaysian market? Is it from, like, <laughs> which, which research is it from? Yeah. yeah. Okay. But let's say we've got the 28% in yes. some market somewhere. You're saying that you can increase that to 33% or are you saying that you can increase it by 5% of the 28%? Well, I believe uh, we haven't measured this statistic and uh, like it's hard to come up with an answer on the spot. So uh, mm-hmm. I, would, I would just refrain from giving you any figures because I don't know uh, the exact figures. But I will definitely research that and uh, we will pu- publish an article about that. Ooh, oh, right. And then you can tell us about it and we'll share it with our audience, too. And if yeah. we move on to the idea of becoming an ambassador, I mean, you're, you're obviously working with this idea that I get the client on board. They become, as you say, trained in buying from me. How do I then switch them up to be an ambassador? Because buying from you is one thing. Talking to my friends about how wonderful you are is another. Yes. Uh, the interesting part about that is that most of the commerce stores, they just don't ask for reviews. Uh, and that's a big opportunity gap as well, because when you start asking your customers for reviews, you can use those reviews for both purposes, uh, to promote the brand if a review is, possi- is, is positive and to troubleshoot your process and uh, the customer experience altogether uh, if a review is negative. And mm. sometimes the negative reviews, they are even more valuable because when you help the customer solve a problem or you react in a way that is notable, Uh, For example, with Lego, uh, if uh, the part is missing, they just simply send you the replacement without asking any additional questions. And that's why uh, so many customers love Lego and their customer support. I I'm like I hope not a lot of people abuse this system, but that's that's my only faint hope about that. Right. I've had an experience with a a company called Toman. They send musical instrument. They sell musical instruments, and you can set, you can order something, send it back within thirty days, and they will refund you or replace it. And uh, I, I spent a year buying bass amplifiers, trying them out, and sending them back. And after about four, I kind of said to them, "Isn't this kind of abusing the system?" He said, "No, we don't care. That's fine. That's part of the rule." And that makes me to now talk about Toman. So they've actually made me into an ambassador because I'm saying it's so great I could buy four different amplifiers and then send the ones I didn't want back uh, so Toman big thumbs up to them Lego same thing yes uh, and it's also important uh, that uh, the reviews they can be leveraged as uh, the business growth like business growth uh, tactic uh, because uh, when you ask the customers to leave a review uh, then you can ask them to share those reviews on social media this is the best pro ever because you, this is basically a uh, free advertisement uh, for your business. And it's not just about uh, them sharing it to their close friends, but maybe just on social media that you can get the user-generated content and then spin it up and uh, you reuse it in your marketing. So with reviews, you can like use them in various ways. And this is how sometimes even not, uh, like, not very passionate ambassadors, they become ambassadors based on the definition they don't like they spread the word about your brand and they advocate for the brand right okay so your from from your perspective hey we've got reviews i mean i tend to look at reviews as being this way to help educate google it adds lots of different attributes and ideas and and needs and wants that people have for products and services then you've also got the what Anton just had up with 72% of people will leave a review if they're asked to do so. Up to 72%, I've seen very low percentages. 
what's the trick to asking a question or asking for a view when you send out that email? Well, I guess uh, in case of TrackMage, uh, we figured two tricks. Uh, the first one would be uh, asking for a review at the right time. Uh, right. Since we uh, understand where the package is and when the package gets delivered, we can time that email and send it automatically once the uh, customer actually holds the product in their hands. I have mm -hmm. seen uh, so many email automations firing up uh, before I receive a product. So like I'm asked to leave a review and I receive that uh, product in two weeks from the, mm. from the time. I already forgot that there was a review ask, but like since I'm in this industry, like I keep track, but anyways, it's besides the point. Uh, mm. So first timing it correctly. So when the customer actually is excited to receive their package and like their new t-shirt or their shiny new tablet that they want to showcase, that's when you ask for a review at their height. Uh, and then uh, also awarding it in a way like, did everything go well? That's what that's we have in our default template. Uh, so like, did everything go well? Uh, do you have any questions maybe? And then the customer is like, yes, everything went well. Like, uh, that's what happened with uh, one of our biggest customers by now. Uh, we, like, they have a YouTube channel uh, and they create this animated series called Metal Family. Uh, and they mm -hmm. have three, 3 million subscribers roughly right now. So uh, from 10,000 comic books that they sent out, uh, once TrekMage was introduced, from zero, uh, they had uh, 2,150 reviews. Uh, predominantly mm. positive because everyone loves the brand and that's why they uh, they were not even paying attention if there were some problems with the shipping or whatever. Right, yeah, and the, that, that thing about the, the absolute uh, perfect time to ask for a review. If you ask too early, they haven't got the product or they haven't finished doing what they were doing if it's a service, then you ask too early and they're frustrated because they haven't got what they wanted or to where they wanted to be. If you ask too late, they've forgotten. Um, getting that exact right moment to ask is absolutely essential and then the other one is asking the right question i mean i had clients who said um who were asking uh, did you like your order and the answer would then be yes so the review would just say yes and that's a huge mistake how, how do you get around that how do you encourage people to actually write details about their overall experience uh, so we word the questions in uh op like open-ended questions where you cannot reply uh, yes or no uh, mm. So literally, like, uh, how uh, how did you like your experience? Uh, like, uh, that actually makes me curious. Like, what what did we have there? Because I don't remember exactly <laughs> what what questions we had. But we definitely get uh, reviews. Uh, at some point, we were even running into an issue that the review failed. Uh, had the character limit, and we were losing parts of the reviews. So oh, uh, customers, they are very elaborate sometimes when they describe their experience, and if. Uh, it's a passion uh, product that they are buying. They definitely go overboard. And if uh, we had that functionality at that point, uh, we would have gotten the media as well. Uh, so mm. like uh, videos and uh, photos. That's why uh, the social sharing feature that I'm talking about, that's not yet released, uh, wait a bit, uh, working on it. So uh, this is going to have the photos and videos about the product. If a customer had great experience, they can record a video and then post it on TikTok you get extra mm -hmm. sales, like just based on that review. And, and from, that, uh, from that aspect, it's, it's making sure that for the user, the client, the video or the photo is really easy to record. So there's an interface for that rather than saying to them, record yourself and send it in, or do you just say to people, record it on your phone? 
Uh, I think the, the best would be to just record it on the phone. Uh, so it's not a mobile app. Uh, it's uh, working in the browser. But uh, once, mm -hmm. we have a f once we have a file, they can just attach it, and it's going to work. So that's how right. it works. So OK, well, I, sorry. I, mean, I saw a really good uh, thing from Clutch.co. Uh, but mm -hmm. it's obviously kind of not e-commerce, it's B2B. And what they're doing is saying, book a call with us, we'll do an interview with you, and then we'll write up your review. And then, the, yeah. as you were saying, they write up these enormous long reviews. You then check it, uh, correct it, and they publish it. And that was a really neat idea for B2B, at least, not for B2C, I wouldn't have thought. Yes, I believe that costs uh, a lot of uh, money uh, to mm -hmm. sustain that as uh, an ongoing service. So that's why in B2B it definitely makes sense. Like I believe uh, with the power of AI, we could definitely uh, do something about that. So maybe there is some kind of like virtual assistant uh, who's going to talk like a chatbot uh, fashion, mm. like, oh, did you like your product? Like what, what went well, what didn't go well, something like that. Uh, and uh, this, way, this way it could be leveraged somehow. Mm -hmm. I guess with uh, VR, with uh, other fancy new tech, we could do something crazy. Uh, but that's yet to come. We haven't tested yet. No. And, and other than kind of reviews, getting, getting people to be advocates, what other techniques can we use to push that advocacy idea? Well, I believe, uh, like, I, I don't have uh, anything else to share about uh, what, what you could do. But uh, just from my experience, just having a strong brand presence and uh, building the emotional connection with the buyer, uh, mm. that's, uh, that's exactly what you need to do. Uh, because if the customer, like, for example, with your uh, case, uh, if a customer has a great experience and they are even fascinated by how you do business and uh, they they support your cause, because a lot of uh, brands, they also have uh, some social co causes behind them, uh, something mm -hmm. like supporting, uh, like, reforestation of uh, right. Amazon River or something else, uh, that also creates this brand loyalty where the customer is not only supporting the brand because uh, they want the product that is being sold, but they also support the actual idea behind that brand. So building a community, building a strong cause, uh, so having something something besides the product itself. Right. Yeah, no, what, what's lovely, and that's a really lovely way to end this, is talking about brand. Pretty much everybody we have on the show at some point mentions brand. And from our perspective at CaliCube, obviously, we deal with what, you, your audience sees when they Google your brand name. And the idea of building a great brand and a strong brand is that people would end up searching that name. So for me, that's perfect because it's my um, favorite topic in the entire universe. Thank you so much, Irina. That was delightful. We got onto reviews, which I was terribly interested in as well, but also uh, getting that cycle going, the post-funnel cycle, which I'll have to find a new term for to get those clients buying again and again and again. And next week, we've got Dmitry Kustov, data-driven approach to SEO. That should be super interesting. He's super smart and incredibly friendly and smiley. And I wanted to just quickly announce that we've released the Knowledge Panel course. It's been uh, a year in the making. It's ready. It's uh, released. Please visit calicube.com to find out more about that. If you're a Knowledge Panel geek and you want to know everything about Google's Knowledge Graph, how it works, Google's Knowledge Panels, how to get one, how to manage one, how to make one incredibly rich. Please pass the baton, Irina. Okay, uh, great. Uh, so, Dmitri, uh, welcome to Calicube. Uh, <laughs> and I think uh, that your topic is really interesting because uh, data-driven approaches usually tend to be very, very accurate uh, and also less costly. 
So, uh, and also like I have uh, some experience in SEO for my own company and it's very hard to make good decisions. So I hope you can share some interesting advice uh, how to make good decisions based on data. Brilliant. And the nice thing about SEO is it's becoming more and more of a marketing approach rather than a pure technical uh, approach from, from the uh, uh, the dev perspective. I'm getting totally lost in what I was going to say. Thank you again, Irina. That was absolutely delightful. Thank you, Anton. Thank you, everybody, for watching. A quick goodbye to end the show. Thank you, Irina. Thank you. CaliCube. It's all about your brand, SERP.